Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tree Talking Time. I'm your host, Ben Sheets. I just wanted to come on and just say thank you for all the Squirrel Dog guys that have been downloading these podcasts. I've had a lot of interest, had a lot of feedback. Just want to say thank you. And since we've been getting a lot of feedback, I just kind of want to throw this out there. I live in southeast Pennsylvania. Squirrel Dog's not a big thing, but we are definitely trying to promote them over here. So I just want to let you know about a few hunts in my neck of the woods that me and some of the guys that I hunt with are putting on. September 10th, there is a UKC Kerr night hunt and bench show at the Chester Burks Coon Hunters Club. All that information is on the UKC website underneath the Kerr events. And then on September 24th, just a little bit further north at Stein's Hollow Beagle Club, we're going to be hosting an NSD hunt. All that information can be found on the NSD website and app. Like I said, we're going to try and get some more Kerr and Feist events over here in eastern Pennsylvania. So if you're over this way or you're not too far and you want to travel over here, Give us a shout. We'd love to see you. Without further ado, here's today's episode with Mr. Calvin Boutique. In my in my young years, teenage, we just had farm dogs. My grandfather was a sugarcane farmer, and we had dogs around the house. Go push the cattle in, uh, pen them up, whatever. But I never hunted much. And uh, and in the eighties, early eighties, I I got around bulldogs. You know, they used them to catch hogs and. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that, and I did some of that. And then I got out the, the dogs, the bulldogs, and I just got bored. I, I didn't have uh, there was there wasn't any dogs that uh, got my interest. And a friend of mine gave me a a magazine. I was going offshore. I worked in the oil field. I was a welder. I stayed a lot. Spent a lot of time in the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. And I br- I brought some books. He gave me some old bo- uh, magazines with coon dogs and. Yeah, a little bit about squirrel dogs, and every, most of it was coon dogs. It was the full cry. It was my first time ever seeing a full cry magazine. Okay. And going through that thing while living offshore for about, I guess I'd stay out there sometimes two to three weeks, but I'd read them books at night. There wasn't much to do when you was off of work, and I'd look at them pictures. And I come across an ad there that had Robert Kimmer, okay. and uh, it caught my attention. There was some cur dogs. And I, I knew some Kimmers. I was good friends with some Kimmers in Gulfport, Mississippi, from okay. the Bulldogs, mm-hmm. you know. So I contacted them. I said, there's this Kimmer in this full cry magazine uh, in Tennessee. And uh, I didn't know that they were, their dad was originally from Crossville, Tennessee. And he said, yeah, that's our, that's our cousin. He's a cousin of ours. Okay. Said, okay, so boy, I got interested and I did, I did a little more. Research got in touch with Robert, drove up there, my wife and I, the two boys of mine, they were young. This was in 1988, and back then, hell, there wasn't nothing but single-cab trucks, you know? Yeah. If they had an extended cab, I, I didn't have one, but yeah. all four of us loaded loaded up in that truck with suitcases and uh, whatever we needed to spend two or three days on our trip, and here we go to Tennessee. That was a twelve-hour <laughs> drive for me. That was a long wait. Them kids, them two boys yeah. of mine, they're forty. They're, they're grown now. They're one's forty-five <laughs> and one's forty, forty-two or three. Uh, 
they don't want nothing to do with them dogs. I wore them out on them dogs making them long trips. I can't imagine. I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old, and I can't imagine shoving both of them and my wife into a single cab truck and going 12 hours. We did hours. that, man. We did that a lot. I'd, I'd get off of work on a Friday early, and we'd leave, and we'd drive to Crossville, Tennessee, get there that evening, and uh, get up the next morning, make a squirrel hunt, and and then make a coon hunt that night. They had the uh, the week we go for the weekend of the uh, of the. Uh, I was just young into this. I was just trying to trying to learn. I didn't know what I was doing, but man, it was it was a rough trip. I couldn't do that now. It would kill me. And then make the squirrel hunt that morning, and then the coon hunt that night. Then Sunday morning, visit with with a gang of people at Roberts and drive back. Man, be be, be home to go to work Monday. And, I, I I destroyed my, my 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 boys and my wife. They don't want nothing to do with them dogs. I ruined them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, my wife my wife likes them dogs, but none of them. When I'm gone, these dogs ain't nobody in my family <laughs> going to keep them going. I understand that part, you know. Gotcha. But I, I I've loved them. You know, I've loved the the the, the dogs and watching them perform and their natural ability. It's always been the Something that I really, I really liked. I, I didn't have to kill a lot of squirrels. I just, I just wanted to see them work, you know. And yeah. I don't have a lot of squirrels, so it, it was easy for me to just, you know, just see the natural ability in them and let them, let them do. But uh, I started with Robert's Chemicers. Yeah. And you know, coon hunting was was pretty popular, but it was probably starting to, to, to decline and by the time I got in because the, the price of the highs was starting to go down yeah and uh and it was you know and I, re- I really would have rather a squirrel dog because I'd rather squirrel hunt with dogs than coon hunt because there wasn't nobody wasn't many people around here that did it yeah and uh with, with squirrel or coon really in my area I was it was me and a couple of other people within a 50 mile radius of here that, that hunted uh, with with dogs, squirrel dogs, but uh, Robert, I guess he he could see squirrel hunting was getting popular then. They were starting to have competition hunts, yep, and it was getting real popular. And so he told it was his idea. I give him all the credit about what I do with occasional squirrel dogs. Robert had 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 done some of that. He called him Cameron Feist, mm-hmm. and uh, he just had too much. It was too much. He couldn't. He had gotten too many projects like I get sometimes and he just would rather somebody else try it. So he pushed me into that. He, he uh, kind of told me you ought to start doing this with, and call him Cajun squirrel though. Cajun, Cajun was a, was a popular thing, you know, with the food and the culture and stuff like that. Yep. And that's where the name got started. You know, I think this is a perfect time to, to uh, introduce yourself. Because you are known as Cajun by a lot of people. Yeah, back then, yeah. <laughs> I was known as the Cajun. I wrote columns for, for the camera dogs before they ever had an association. I wrote a column. Okay. And it was in full cry. And we were just put, you know, we, we could see the camera dogs were, were kind of, you know, you, you stood out. They stood out. You could tell a camera dog when you saw one back then, even though it, it was still registered with the original Mountain Cur breeders, you know? Yeah. And we hadn't started the camera uh, breeders, 
But I wrote a column before that camera association ever got started, and, and I just kind of talked about the camera dogs, the camera courage, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was known as the Cajun, and it kind of stuck with a lot of people back then, you know. Yep. So in case you're not familiar with the Cajun, talking to Mr. Calvin Boutique here. Yep, Calvin Boutique. I have my, my last okay. name. Yeah. Well, it's pronounced uh, Boutique, Booty, uh, Boutique. <laughs> it depends where you're standing, you know, what city okay. you're in. But it's French. I know that. I know that. <laughs> yep. So we started doing it. I got to meet in the early days of Matt Jody Mullen. Okay. Uh, I guess it was about 1990, 91. Uh, we went to Jody Mullen's at that time. He lived in Tennessee. He was a couple hours drive from Robert. We went over there, Robert, Jim, and myself. Rodney Smith, a good friend of ours from, uh, from Iuka, Illinois. We all went to to Jody's house, and I left with a pup uh, out of out of Jody's uh, Tuck dog. She was a daughter to Tuck, and she was out of a. She, her mother was a daughter to the old bounce dog. Okay. And I caught I caught her a little bit. I brought her here, raised her, and she was a little bitty thing. She wasn't big at all. And I had a, a small chemical. You know, they got some small ones. Them chemicals, every now and then you get you get some that's that's small, right? And the yellow jack the yellow jack line used to used to produce them small ones every now and then. I had okay. one that was out of that was directly out of Yellow Jack, Robert had given to me. And we called him a uh, Cajun Jack. He was baby, twelve twelve, fifteen pounds. Wow, that is small. And, and yeah, he was small, a little bit of thing. And I bred him to a little bit and from that cross is where the Cajun squirrel dogs, you know, that was probably where they really started. There was some really good dogs out there. The best ones, the best ones of any cross I ever made was the ones that got with the, in the right hands of, you know, hunters like Todd Coles, you know, oh, people yeah. that that knew dogs and, and gave them a chance. Of, the one, the one, uh, the, the man that had the best one out of that cross was a name, a man named Jimino Thompson. You may have heard talk of him through the years but he's a good friend of mine uh from down here in louisiana okay and a, and a woodsman a woodsman like no other he just knew knew all kind of tricks things i I never knew and i learned a lot from him he's 80 he's 82 or three right now and uh he's he's having a little bit of a rough time with his heart mm. but he's a good friend and you don't ever hear him complain yeah but was was he some kind of a dog man? He could his dogs loved him. Every dog he ever had loved him, and they performed for him like like nobody I ever seen. It took me years to learn to get that kind of loyalty from a dog, you know. Mm-hmm. But he got it. So I, I had people like Robert Kimmer that helped me with the breeding part of it. Okay. And then Jim and O. Thompson helped me with you know to just learning how to get these dogs uh started and, and make make the better make better dogs out of them just just being with him and hunting with him watching him handle his dogs you know mm-hmm. and, and he had some good ones and a lot of them you know he hunted several of them that came from me and uh they are i don't know that jimino ever got one that didn't make a pretty darn good squirrel dog or a coon dog okay so nice. so from from there we uh we just continued breeding them, mm-hmm. 
and we used mostly the Mullen Spice at that time. It was Mullen's crossover the cameras. It really worked well. Gotcha. And then there have there have been some other fights we've used, and there's still some other fights that I use even today. Uh, uh, there's some fights in Mississippi. They call them Rotten Bayou fights that <laughs> Fletcher Ladner has, and I've used a couple of his. Okay. And they're young during the early stages, but I'm getting some good results. There's people that's really liking them. And, of course, uh, we, we're doing something with Todd. You know, we got a, a litter that'll probably be born in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And that's, that. you know, that's a line of dogs Todd's got that's really done well. And they already they already had some camera in them, but it's been a while, so we... yeah. We're gonna we're gonna add some more and just see how it works. You know, I I expect it to do well because I, I gotta say this in the breeding the years I guess it's been about thirty three thirty four years I have I have really had a good luck with the the, the natural ability reprodu- and reprodu- reproducing these dogs reproduce these camera dogs. Robert, okay. Robert con- concentrated them. He did a good job of getting the right ones. Mm-hmm concentrated and and I stayed close to to the stuff that that was really producing and I've I've still got that today and and they just they just they just reproduce man. They yeah. just natural and they reproduce and I like that. Out of curiosity, which line or dog has really stood out of as far as camera dogs? I mean I know like you said Yellow Jack and Blondie three and there's some big name dogs that have like where people have really taken that dog and they've line bred on it. Is there any one particular line you really like? You know, uh, Gold Nugget and and Blondie Three were in a dose of Yellow Jack. Yellow Jack was important, but just you know, for me, I he just didn't want too much. They they were a little bit hyper, and and it, some some of them were a little bit jealous. You know, okay. there was a little jealousy at the tree, and they had some. They were just so high strung. You just so if you just got the right amount of that yellow jack, and it didn't take a lot. It just didn't take a lot. But a quarter, even less. I got much less than a quarter today. And a little bit of yellow jack they carry really suits me, you know. Mm-hmm. But the gold nugget blood and the blondie three blood <clears throat> is where I believe a lot of the natural ability from the the winding. They wind these squirrels. You know, they just throw their head up when the squirrel from a long ways off and then just they just get you know and the more you hunt them the better they do it and they do it with coons too I, i'm i'm gonna say squirrels because that's what i'm around the most mm-hmm. with squirrel hunting don't don't do much coon hunting anymore but there's such natural at, at winding i can almost tell anybody that gets pups from me if, if, if i got a enough camera in there i can tell them that those pups are gonna to watch them and be prepared, they're going to throw their head up and win game. And a lot, if they're new and they don't have much experience, I, I, I let them know that if you see them throwing their heads up, a lot of them think that they're looking for something, you know. And, and, and sometimes they may be, they may be looking, but most times they're they're using their nose to to win game and, and when they're young they, they can't they can't pinpoint it but they do a lot of that and as you still game to as you knock out game they get better and better at it you know mm-hmm. and i give a lot of credit to the camera side for that okay not of the fight side uh these these full cameras i had years ago that i started with 
I don't think they had the eyes and the ears that these these dogs I have that they have, and that I contribute that to the to the price. These dogs will timber out of a squirrel and stay underneath them as pups. Where it used to take a dog two three seasons uh, to get good at that. I see them do it young now. You know what I'm saying? Okay. They stay under a squirrel. Mm-hmm. It impresses me. I love to see that. You know. <laughs> I don't want them to tree by sight, but I want them to, to, to stay under that squirrel once they do tree it if they can, you know? Okay. So by and that uh, statement alone, I'm going to guess that you're not a competition hunter. I am not a competition <laughs> hunter. I don't. I, I, in, in fact, I, I feel better about competition uh, when I speak to Todd because they're not the group that does the things that turn me off on it. They're a mm-hmm. little bit... I. I I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have a problem with competition if it was, if it was designed for the dog to do the the winning. Yeah. But a lot of the ones I was around, you know, the handler had too much involvement in, in his dog winning or causing his dog to win. I mean, I, I just couldn't deal with that. So, I, I, and I don't care. I I want my dog to get off that tree and follow that squirrel, and they don't they don't want that. Yep. So, so here's here's my thoughts. I tell that to people. That is a competition dog. That is not a squirrel dog. I, in my eye, yeah, I want a squirrel dog to stick, stay with the squirrel. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And uh, so I just, you know, I, I, some of these competition guys, they, they want them to hug that tree and not move, and that squirrel timbered out or you know moved over. I want him, a true squirrel dog should try to stay with that squirrel so that yeah i'm not big into competition <laughs> there's not a lot of people i know that got my dogs that do competition on it and maybe there is some and i just hadn't heard about it but i don't promote it don't push it yeah. if they want to do it sure more power to them but mm-hmm. i don't care but i'm not you know i just just not something that you want to do that's right i want them to uh I want them to, you know, to do it natural and to do it like it should be done. And they're doing that. I'm real, I'm real impressed with the way these dogs are showing their natural ability, you know? Yeah, nice. The feist, the feist uh, that I use and, and the curves and the camera curves. The only curves I use is the cameras. And the okay. feist, there's been, there's been two or three different strains of feist. But the mullins, the mullins has probably been used more than any of them. Okay. The mullins, the mullins really cross well. With the Kimmers, and, and I've had really good luck. There's, there's a guy in the uh, in Texas, in Conroe, Texas, got a pair from me. They're half uh, Kimmer and half Mullen. And he, the female, he's got a male and a female. The female is a, is a coon and a squirrel dog. The male is a is a really good squirrel dog, but he's not he's not real crazy about coon. But that his sister is, and he goes hunt with curs and hounds and she wins coons that them dogs don't know is in the woods. <laughs> nice. He really he really gets his kicks with some of these hunts he goes on because you know, they know his dogs half fight. Yep. And they don't expect that to happen and and she'll she'll treat many coons that them dogs have, and they'll look at them, you know, she's not just barking up a tree, they're looking at a coon. Mm-hmm. So they can do that, you know, they do that too, you know. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned that uh, you cross a lot of cameras with with Mullins or with the Feist. So would you say the Cajun squirrel dog today is 
a lot of first generation crosses or are you perpetuating the, the puppies after that and breeding more like Cajun squirrel dog to Cajun squirrel dog? Yeah. Well, I've got both. I okay. got some that's still, still, you know, I always keep cameras, full, full cameras and okay. I always keep full feist and I, I, I use them when I need them, but I've got some that, that have been bred both, you know, they're, they're both Cajun squirrel dogs. Mm-hmm. And they're reproducing just as well, you know. Okay. I was, I was. And you get to a point where you, you got to, you got to try it. I didn't want to just do half, half, and half, and keep it that way. I wanted to go further away from the cameras and see if it would, if it would work, you know. Mm-hmm. And instead of maybe, maybe a quarter camera and three quarter feist, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've had good luck with that. Okay. And I've had good luck with three quarter camera and a quarter feist. It's just maybe a little bit bigger, you know. Yep. So I've had good luck. The most important thing for my dogs to do well, and any crosses I make, and I know there's some crosses that don't work no matter what, but I get a high percentage that does. If, here's the big if. People like to say, well, you know, uh, are they going to, is this pup going to do anything? Are you going to guarantee it? I used to do that. That was something Robert started, and I, I did it many years ago. When I first started just doing what Robert, you know, did, I don't, I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't, because I tell them, okay, look, there's a very good chance this dog's going to be fine, but I'm not going to guarantee it because too many people have not done with their part. You got to take them out. You can't leave them in the kennel. Mm -hmm. These dogs love people. If you, if you get these dogs, if you win them over and you're their friend, they care about you. They will do all they can to please you. Mm-hmm. And that's just how they are. I, I heard Robert use that term years ago that they love to please. Yep. And that's, that's the truth. They do love to please uh, at anything. I mean, they're very smart. Mm-hmm. If they care about you and you haven't mistreated them and you've given them time they need in the woods, they will do their best for you. And I, I get a lot of results. Now, today it's Look, today, there's people that don't hunt as hard as the ones that did 30 years ago. They don't have the timbers to do it in. They don't have the, yep. uh, you know, the, the, the deer hunters lease everything around here where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to hunt till in good timber till the deer season's over. And, and that thing's starting to go till the end of January, you know? Yep. So you don't have, I, what we don't have the... Uh, Unless you drive to these wildlife management areas, and that's four or five hours of driving for me. Okay. I don't, you know, I don't want to do that too often, especially now. <laughs> but you don't have to kill a lot of squirrels for these dogs. Some people do, mm-hmm. but you just don't have to. They don't, it don't take a whole lot. Once they, they know that's what you want, you shoot a squirrel or two to them yeah. each time out, and they're thrilled, and they will learn that stuff, and they'll be as good as, you know, at Jesse Lynch, the boy in the Conroe, Texas, with the two he had, he'd kill anywhere from 700 to 1,100 Ooh. squirrels in a season. That's a lot of squirrels. You know, <laughs> he got a lot of squirrels. Texas is a big state, got some big old timbers, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he hunted hard like that and he killed a lot of squirrels. He got, you know, he made some very good dogs. They really love people. They love children. My grandson's got one down the road from here, I give him. And, uh, they made a big. They made him part of the family. My, my son, my daughter-in-law, my two grandsons. They, he's a he's just a big pet. But they, 
Yeah. You got to watch him at the back at the back door, the uh, glass door <laughs> outside. If you see the squirrel, you go through it, you know. Mm-hmm. And they never showed him that, you know. Yeah. Now you mentioned about like making them a part of the family and making that makes them want to please you. Robert said the same thing, and when I talked to him last fall, and mm-hmm. you know, with the Kemmers, he said, he said, you take that pup home, you make it just a member of the family, and you do take that pup everywhere you go, and he goes. For one, you'll have yeah. the best dog of your life, but two, he goes, that dog's going to want to please you. And he said, then that way when you show up what you want, he said, that dog will do whatever you want it to do. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I've seen it too many times. I can't do it with, with all my dogs, you know, because i got I got about 12 dogs, but but the few I, I handle a, a lot, mm-hmm. so I see it. But people that have just one, you know, yep. people I know that just got one, look, they get things, they get they get to see things out of those dogs like that. You know, it's unbelievable. My grandson, the one he got, he's two years old, I guess. That dog's just, he don't talk and it's all. Mm-hmm. He loves them people. Uh, my grandson had his uh, wisdom teeth removed about a year ago. That dog was about a year old. And uh, he came in the house and it was it was an outpatient thing. And, and he came in with his, with his face all swollen and Dog stuffed in his mouth, and he went to his room. And that dog was so upset; he knew something was wrong with that boy, and he never left that boy's side until that boy was up, moving around, and he knew that boy was okay. Mm-hmm. Just you know, they, them dogs are like that; they love you. And the people that do that with them get that kind of bond. They just get the best dogs, like Jimino, the one I mentioned earlier, Jimino Thompson. You know, he he had dogs that loved him so much. If somebody tried to borrow one and leave with it. The only way it would get in their vehicle, Jimmy would have to go sit in there and get him in there and then jump out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but I learned a, a lot from him. But these dogs of mine, the camera's always been my bloodline, my chosen bloodline to keep here. Mm-hmm. And then the feist, you know, was something I added to, to make a smaller, smaller size dog to keep the natural ability. I made sure, We made sure we used feist that were, you know, natural pre dogs, yeah. you know? Yep. And and, and and the Mullins is like I said, I started with that and I, I've got more of that, but I've got others and I'm liking them too. So that that camera blood it crosses well with a lot of things. It really does. And it's uh I've got the blackjack line here, the uh, you know, they, these lines change through the years and we just call it book gold nugget. Yeah. But Blackjack, if you look at his papers, he's heavy gold nugget. Okay. But gold gold nugget's been dead so long, you know. Blackjack kind of contributed a little bit different size dog, a little bit different type of dog. There's so many lines of cameras, you know. Mm-hmm. So the dog, the cameras I have in my yard today are are heavy lady nugget, okay. heavy blackjack, heavy blackjack, and they, a couple of them got a little bit of gold. Uh, a yellow, a yellow jack, not a whole lot. Don't take much. Okay. And it it really works. It really works. And then I use those dogs in my my Cajun squirrel dog breeding. And uh, and I I've got a I got a three quarter. I call him Little Smoke. He's three quarter Mullins Fives, and he's a quarter Kimmer. Mm-hmm. Now he don't look like a Mullins Fives. He looks like he looks more like a Cur dog. But he's got more. He's got more Mullins Five's blood. He just took from the from the cur dog side, you know. Yep. 
smartest dog I've ever had. That dog will listen to anything I ask him, and he does a good job at anything we do. Now, the only problem with him is is my fault. He's not real crazy about strangers. He don't know. He he won't. He won't. You know, he'd be a little bit off. He won't perform with a total stranger around. Okay. And that's because I didn't expose him to enough strange people. You know, it was always me and him. Mm-hmm. And it takes him a little while to, to get comfortable around somebody he don't know. He's not he's not that he wants to buy them. He's just standoffish. You know? Yeah. And uh, I bet you if I'd have hauled him as a pup and brought him everywhere I went and exposed him to people, he'd have never got that way, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, his pups are not like that. His pups, I got pups out of him that leave here, goes with people, and they do. Well, you know, they just got one, and they bring them everywhere to go. And you don't ever see that that side of, of them, you know, because smoke, I just didn't expose him. You got to expose them to everything, man. Yep. It really helps, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm, I, I've been knowing this for, <laughs> I'm going to retire this year uh, in December. And then I'll, I'll have more time to do other things. I'm not going to retire come home and watch soap operas, you know, I'm going I'm <laughs> <laughs> to farm a little bit and I'm going to fool with the dogs too. We're going to briefly talk about this. You say farm a little bit, man, your garden is huge. What are you talking about? Farm a little bit. Like <laughs> you got a big old garden for, for being like, for not being a full-time job. I mean, working still. Yeah. yeah still work full time. But you know, the garden is bigger than, than what most people would uses a garden and I've been preparing it for this time when I retire and, and I, I'm, I'm going to even make it bigger after December for Jeez. next spring if it, and I'm going to farm I'm going to farm full time here right here as long as my health holds up I'm going to farm as much as I can handle nice. and I'm going to sell, sell produce you know mm-hmm. right now I just kind of do it for fun and give it to family and friends and okay. I've sold a little bit but not much because it just to do it, if you're going to sell it, I just need the time to be here and mm-hmm. and, and do do things the way I need to do it. Working full time, I can't. You know, yep, I just I not. Yeah, so I plan on doing that, and uh, yeah, I sure do. Uh, I, I love it. I love doing that as much as I do the dogs. Now, how big is that garlic patch? That which one? The garlic. The patch. garlic. The garlic patch. I I, I got to adjust. Yeah, it was. A, it I had planted a eleven hundred. Cloves of garlic from Frank I put in that row. It was so, a 200, 200, 200 foot row, and I put 1,100 garlic cloves in there. They grew well. They were beautiful. And I thought I was going to do well, but I, the, the heat we have in Louisiana, mm-hmm. I, I found out that if I don't harvest them in April, and they got they still haven't matured, and in May and June comes around, it, it destroys them. Okay. So, so this year, if I, when I plant garlic, I got to plant them much earlier. I didn't plant those till December. I'll have to plant this year. If I want to do well with garlic, I'll have to plant them in October. Okay. Now, for all the listeners, just to show you how small of a world this is, I buy straw from a man named Frank. And one day, Frank asked me, because he knows I have coonhounds, how my dogs were doing. And I told him, and he said, I got this guy that bought some garlic from me down in Louisiana. He's got these things called Cajun squirrel dogs. I said, is his name Calvin? He goes, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, just to show you how small the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like Frank. Frank's a character, man. He is. I like Frank. We, we When we do talk, I know he's busy. We had talked in a while, but when we do talk, uh, 
he's a character. I, I laugh. Mm-hmm. He's something else. But yeah, I uh, and he got some good quality garlic. It's just the time of year for me. I got to change the time of year I plant them and make them because Louisiana heat is a little bit different than <laughs> Pennsylvania heat. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, Todd Coles uh, and I got a, a dog that. Uh, I bred a female to his male, and he mm-hmm. got her up there to him. Yeah, he told and me about that's that. A, that's another cross that we're going to be doing that we hadn't done that I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see how they do. I, I don't I don't really have any concerns. If they get in good hands, yeah. they're going to do fine. That's just now, how I look at it. From from what I've learned from Todd about his line of dogs and, and also just from the other people that I've interacted with since doing that that have dogs from Todd – and also just knowing what what I know about the Kemmers and, and your dogs, if I was looking for a squirrel dog, shoot, I'd be wanting to try one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, his his dogs are just crazy natural tree dogs. Mm-hmm. And, and, and mine are mine or two. And, and they do have a few things a little, a little bit different. His, his uh, uh, he's concerned about getting a little bit more size on his and, and uh, maybe we're going to help that a little bit, you know, and get a little bit more ear on them and stuff like that. Uh, we'll see how it works out. Yeah. The female that's over there is a, a nice camera. She's, she's seven eighths camera and she's, she's game crazy as they come. And, uh, that game craziness it used to be aggravating when I didn't understand it. <laughs> dog that's not, that dog that's not being used enough is drive you crazy, but it, you got to have some of that. Yeah. You got to have that. Robert was the one that told me that. He said, you got to have it. And there's some people that won't keep some of the dogs I keep because they just, they just hard, hard to keep in a kennel and everything. You know, they just, they want to go. They want to do something. Yep. And if you're not hunting them, if you, if you don't get that edge off, like old Gemino used to say, you got to get the edge off. And the way to get the edge off is, is to get the, is to get the shoe leather wore off of you, you know? Yep. Putting them and in the woods. Those kind of, yeah, those kind of dogs take a lot of, a lot of hunting to get that edge off, and then they then they mellow out, and they're easy to handle. But you're not hunting them enough. They they high strung, and but I will never get rid of one for that. I might be mad at him for <laughs> cutting up like that, but I I need it. I mean, you breed them to the to the right male or females, and you get that that balance. I try to breed a dog like that to something that's a little more calm and easier to handle, and get those pups with the right balance. Mm-hmm. And they get them in the right hands, you know. There's just no end to what they can do, you know. Yeah. Now you can't put driving pup in, in a dog if it doesn't have it. So. That's right. That's right. These. That's one thing about these dogs. They, they all start treeing at different ages. Some a lot of them start young. Some start a little later. But I got some nine weeks old right now. I turn loose every day at noon when I come home for lunch. I just turn them out, and let them run. And I thought today I've got to start watching them. They're starting to range. They're going to start going to look for something. They're getting bored. It's, I got two acres of, of this garden, this field that they can play in, and it's it's not enough. They want to go deeper. So they they don't they, they they don't stay in your feet. Not this breed of dogs. Well, that's good. I've dealt with that. I ha- I've had a couple dogs that just didn't have the drive to go. And like I said, yeah, you can't put that in okay. there. So you can't make them get. And anyway, when people ask me ask me is uh how, how deep do your dogs get you know well with the collars today i mean i i don't we didn't have that when i 
the kind of collars they got today. And some of them dogs would hunt too deep, or some of them would get off on fast game and it ruined the hunt and all that. Mm-hmm. Them days are over. I will never leave my house with, with a dog that I can't track and and send him a send him a signal. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, if they get two hundred yards on squirrel. I buzz them. I, I don't shock them. I'm, I tone them. I, okay. That tone button is, is a miracle worker, man. Yep. I just I just tone them and they they come in. You know, they come a little closer. I don't want to. I want a pleasure hunt. I don't want to walk five hundred yards to the squirrel. Okay. You know, I just don't want to do it if I don't have to. And uh, there ain't no need for that anymore. Mm-hmm. But some of these dogs will do it if you let them. You know, you just got to let them go. Right? what's acceptable you know ever since i've i've started with these campers i never had a dog that didn't want to hunt they always wanted to go man they loved okay. to get out there you know, I, I never had to deal with a dog that that didn't want to hunt and uh and, and it just they just robert Kemmer told me when he when he started breeding old tennessee mountain blousey uh she she was the the dog that that uh, really, really made him, you know, uh, uh-huh. when he started breeding her. But he said before her, and you know, he said them dogs. Uh, you had a bunch of them that wouldn't. You know, they was always in your headlights, you know. Okay. They just they just wouldn't get out, and uh, and he talked about that. And uh, when old Blondie come around, and the one thing about her, she dig out the kennel and stay gone for two weeks on the mountain, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and carry pups with her, you know, that was something he'd never seen. So so he uh he paid attention to that. Now that's you know, that's a little bit more than I want, but uh, we can adjust that. Yeah. With the with the feist with the feist breeding mm-hmm. into them. And the yellow jack, the yellow jack blood was good for helping that bring them in a little bit, not so go so deep. And uh and the feist helps that and then then of course we got the collars, you know. Yeah. The tone, the tone button, the tone button that does a a wonderful job of keeping that dog from getting too deep or getting on fast game, all those things, you know. Yep, definitely. It does. I, I I'll, I'll never be without one. The, the modern track and train systems have changed absolutely everything. Oh yeah, oh yeah, man. Uh, <clears throat> even even getting them on the tree. Now I, I'm cautious with that because I'm not. I'm not patient enough, but some of them friends of mine that 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 really put time into this, a dog that'll mill at the tree, you know, mm-hmm. and they know how to tone them. You tone them right and tell them get on that tree, or to, you know, to, to to make up their mind and stick closer instead of just milling around, going from tree to tree. Uh, yeah. After they've got enough time that where they should straighten that up, some of them take that as a habit, you know. Yeah. And you can stop that quick with that little tone, but you know, you make when they when they when they know what get on the tree means or then they stop all that. I, I've got a friend that, that did a great job with that. You know, mm-hmm. it helps with a lot of little problems that, that, uh, that some people, you know, used to have to have to do other things to, to make it stop. This, this makes it humane and, yeah, and it works and they don't think it's coming from you, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not a, they're not a fix all. It's not like you just push the button and it, and it does it for you, but if you know how to use yeah. it, it's a tool, and if you know how to use the tool, yeah, they, that's they right. are certainly a wonderful tool to have. And I don't need a lot of that, but every now and then you got one that you need that. But uh, most of my dogs that I take now, <clears throat> I barely ever have to use it. But every now and then mm-hmm. there's a hard head, you know. 
Yep. So when I put that collar, this collar's on, I go to the woods. I don't even use it on Lil Smoke. Lil Smoke, uh, he's just so good handling. I don't need no collar with him. I don't leave home with him either. I hunt him around here most of the time. If I left home, I'd probably want to have a collar just in case. But yeah. He's just one of those I just don't have trouble with, you know? I'll tell you a story real quick. On the last time I turned a dog loose, well, it wasn't even without a collar. It was the first time I ever took him with a collar. And this would have been six, seven years ago, something like that. And I had a puppy. He was like six, maybe seven months old. I had just bought a second collar. I'd been taking him since he was probably four months old out hunting with me and my old dog. And, you know, he was a pup. He never, never left my light for the most part, coon hunting. Well, mm-hmm. I literally just bought this a second GPS collar. It, I didn't. I was still on the old Astro system. Didn't have track and train, so right. it was just a tracking collar. But I finally at least had one, so I put it on him. The first night I put it on him, he like disappeared, went across this big old field, ended up, you know, three quarters of a mile behind some farm, way off in the distance, in the opposite direction that we were hunting. Oh lord! <laughs> and I was like, I am glad I had that collar. And I will make yeah. sure I never turn a dog loose without one again. Because oh, yeah. if I wouldn't have had that collar that night, I would have lost him for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I had a, a real, me and Charles Fasola, another good friend of mine, just had some really good cameras through the years. He still mm-hmm. got cameras today. <clears throat> we went on a hunt. We drove three or four hours to meet each other in a wildlife management area. I had a dog that I didn't have a collar at that time. And I, we turned loose. And he three squirrels. He was a good dog. But he, I'd never seen him act that ignorant for a deer like he did that day. He run the deer. <laughs> we had to go. <laughs> we lost him. He ruined the hunt. It took all day before somebody at a camp called and they had him at their camp. And we went get him, and and that was the day that broke me of not having a collar. I said, I'll never turn this dog loose without a collar again. Yep. And I, they were just starting to come out, you know, because something kind of new. I, those old time tracking collars, I just. With them antennas and all that, I never could get into them things. Yeah, that was before me. I I got involved <laughs> right as Garmin was was making waves and becoming a household name for for dog hunters. Yeah. Well, let me well, go back to the dogs, the Cajun squirrel dogs, and <clears throat> the people that are using them. Mm-hmm. There's some serious hunters that get them. And use them for you know strictly hunting, and they they they're pleased with them. Yep. But I I get a lot of people that want them for family house house dogs, and they want to hunt them too. Okay. And man, those those dogs are making some of the finest family dogs, house dogs. Uh, uh, they just can't say enough about them. Now they're not people that's going out there every weekend killing a sack full of squirrels, mm-hmm. but they are treating squirrels with them, and they're plenty satisfied. And they do so much more with these dogs, you know. Yeah. There's 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 a family in uh in uh Palmerville, Louisiana. That's way up north near Arkansas state line. Mm-hmm. And the husband works in a pipeline. Okay. And he's not home much. Mm-hmm. And the the, the 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 wife and the two children they love them dogs. They really love them dogs. And they they've got they just do everything with them. And when the husband, her husband comes home, usually around the holidays, 
he'll spend some time home, two, three weeks a month, whatever. He takes them dogs to the woods, and he goes kill squirrels. They ain't hunted all year. <laughs> they've never they've never been hunted much except when he's home, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know they're very versatile. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, they can make family dogs, and you know that the cur dogs. That's what they once were. They were just yeah. They did everything. They did everything with the farm, mm-hmm. and they'd go. They'd go free game at night and did during the day and bring the hogs, catch hogs and bring the mules in. You know, nobody lives like that to use them that way anymore. Very yeah. few people, but mm-hmm. but the ones that are doing like his family, I'm telling you about, they they get results from those dogs. Like it's just unbelievable for as little as time to hunt them. He'll go to the woods with them and come back with a limit of squirrels, mm-hmm. and then they may not do that again. Till next Christmas, but they're pleasing the family the whole time. Mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned, when we, when we were setting this up, you mentioned that there was somebody up here that had one from you. Uh... There's three There's three families in Pennsylvania. There's uh, there's there's a chiropractor. I haven't said his name in so long. I don't remember. He's got one from me. He's got a sister. She's not a litter mate, but she's a full sister. To the female that that Todd okay. told being bred, they're, they're mm-hmm. full sisters, and he's got one, and he hunts her on squirrel and pheasant. That's what I, I wanted to bring up because I thought that was super interesting. <laughs> and 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 uh, she blood trails deer. Nice. They use it for everything. They use it for everything. Mm-hmm. They think the world of her. Her name's Mackenzie. They call her Mac. Okay. She's a yellow. She's a yellow. She looks like a little thirty-pound, twenty-five-pound camera is what she looks like. Okay. I have to find out. Yep. We'll have to talk later, and I have to find out if anybody's local because I'd love to see one yeah. go. Yeah, you might not be too far from one of them. Uh, I, I forget where Tabitha is from, but uh, she's planning on really putting it on them this this coming fall. They they got a lot of squirrels around the house and uh, good. Uh, those dogs are. Beautiful dog, and, 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 but uh, yeah, they they're really doing well over there. If they get handled, they they get treated right. I, I don't really hear much negative about them. You know, mm-hmm. it's usually always good. It's always good. You know, let me tell you another story. There's another pair of litter mates I sent to Missouri. Now those dogs are probably five or six years old now, but. A man and his wife, he's a farmer, and they raised them, and they just they raised them in the house. They tree squirrels. They're not big-time hunters, but they'll tree squirrels, and they will kill them a few a time or two during the season. They're not big into that. They just wanted them to be companions and, and kind of like vomit dogs around the house. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a coyote that come out on the property close to the house, and uh them, them two dogs knew, and they're small. They're not big. They might be twenty five pounds. Yeah. And they were smarter. They were smart enough to know that they they wasn't gonna be able to do nothing for that coyote. But they got that that couple that owns them attention. And the husband come out and shot that coyote. Nice. And 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 he took care of all that and everything. Nice. Now he sent me a vi- he sent me a video right after he shot that coyote. 
and them dozers around it. Then they, then they, they, he took them hunting in the back, and he treated a squirrel. Well, one of them was treeing that squirrel. They were both kind of treeing, but one of them was treeing hard. Mm-hmm. The other one faced away from the tree. Watching the other one's back. Watching for them. That coyote had her attention, and she was watching. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure she don't do that all the time, but because of what took place that day, yeah, I got a video of that. I got to find it because I had put it on there. She was watching for for that coyote if there was another one while the other one was treated. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's it's very, very impressive. To, they are very smart. They really are. Yep, they sure. Are. Now, I enjoy them. Just out of curiosity, uh, what colors? primarily and and build and ear set do your, most of these Cajun squirrel dogs have? You know, I get a lot of brindles. Okay. And I get a lot I get I get a lot of brindles and a lot of camera colored uh yellow buttermilks, you know. Mm-hmm. I get I get half and half sometimes, depending on the cross. Okay. Sometimes I get a sometimes I get a black. Not often. I got got a couple of blacks in a litter right now. And that's because of the blackjack blood on this particular cross. Okay. <clears throat> and the mother's yellow. She's yellow, but she's she heavy in the blackjack blood. It's, it's a funny thing with these cameras. It's been proven many times. When you make a complete outcross with a yellow camera, you're going to get some brindle puppies. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's something that takes place here that contradicts that. When I breed Smokestack, who's a full Mullins, okay. to my full cameras, I get, I got a litter right now, there's six of them. Five of them, five of them are yellow, and one of them brindle. Okay. But any other feist I breed to that's of a different line, and I breed a yellow camera, I'm going to get probably all brindles. Now that you mentioned that, Robert did tell me that when I talked to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yellows. You know, if, you, if those outcrops, we Robert bred uh, a female he called Goldie, mm-hmm. the Smith Street. Okay, many years ago, and all them puppies were Brendel. Hmm. You know, and Goldie was the yellow. Goldie was the yellow dog. She never had nothing but yellow pups all her life until <laughs> we bred her. <laughs> Until he brought her to uh, the uh, shriek, and uh, they were all brindle. And uh, but now when I breed the smokestack, a full camera, I always get more yellows than, and I'll I'll get one or two brindles, but the rest will always be yellow. Yeah, yeah, and they, uh, yeah, and then little smoke. Now little smoke is three quarters. Smokestack, he's he's brindle with some with some white on it. Okay, and and his mother his mother was uh, out of smokestack also. I I, I made a three quarter cross. I brought her back to smokestack. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a camera involved in there. That was a black brindle black saddleback. So okay. that went back to B J Buck, and B J Buck Robert had him. He was a he was you know I go nugget J R. His wife Luella's female beauty, and 
and he was black saddleback. That that line of the Kimmers was very good stuff. But they, you'd get those those brindle, black brindle trim dogs, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and Lil Smoke, even though he's three quarter mullet, and he he looks like more of a cur dog, he throws them black brindle trim books strong, man. He he he's got that strong in him. And he's three quarter smokestack. <laughs> yeah, very yep. cool. Yeah, he 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 throws some some really. Sometimes he throw a black and tan with where the brindle would be. It'd be tan. It's some pretty books like that. Yeah, but uh, uh, but he most of the time is black brindle trim. Okay, and uh, he he gets a lot of that. He got some really nice books. I like his books. Nice. And I would imagine build on those dogs kind of depends on if they favor the face line or the camera line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lil Smoke don't don't you know he don't look look he don't show the mullins in him at all. He shows mostly the curve. And you know, like I said, he's three quarter mullin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a he's a daughter bred back to, to her daddy. The yeah. daughter was half camera. She was mm-hmm. half camera. Spread her back to her daddy to make three quarters, you know. Yeah, you would that's certainly still smoking. Yeah, you, you would certainly think that uh, that Mullen's blood would would shine through, but apparently not. It didn't do it on on him. <laughs> uh, he had he had a sister. He had a sister. Had a three quarter sister to him. So I made that cross twice. The second time there was a, a sister that did look like this Mullen's, you know. Mm-hmm. But Smoke didn't, and, and uh, he's making me a real nice squirrel dog and, and stud dog, you know? Nice. Yep. I'm glad he's working out for you. Yeah. Well, I am, too. Uh, it's been fun. It's been 34 years that I've done this. And mm-hmm. I give Robert Kim a lot of credit for helping me get started. I'll never, uh, I'll never not do that because he did help me get started with the right stuff. He yeah. knew more about this. He knew more about these type of dogs than I did, and put me on the right track. Mm-hmm. And he he did help me get this going, and and I I've always thank him for that. I, I really enjoyed talking to Robert. Learned a lot about his dog. The proof is the fact that the the Kemmer dogs have become so successful for a lot of people all over from all across the country. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It's true. So, I think that's just yep. proof. So, that that concentration of that bloodline when he when he when he got his hands on that female that impressed him so much because of what he was so used to dealing with and he had never seen one like that that would ha- you know was that game crazy and had that kind of nose and this and that everything she had he had tried to breed for it and just couldn't get it when she came along. Uh, he paid attention and, and he started breeding her and keeping those pups and and, and, and concentrating that bloodline and, and that's where it started. Yep. You know Definitely. the one thing Robert Robert Kimmer he had his old everybody knew him from his old rough dog. You know he was an old dog that that was led better bred. That Robert kind of kind of one of them man made dogs. Robert did everything with him and hunted so yep. much back then. Ruff learned to do everything, you know, he just did it all. Yeah. But he, he was never real pleased with him as a reproducer. 
Stone the Roof really never reproduced. His exact words to me was, because I asked him, so what's the best dog you ever had? And he said, probably old Ruff. And that's what he said. He said, he, but he's like, I did everything with him. He goes, I hunted for a living, and that dog was the dog that I used every day. But he yeah. said, he was the sorriest reproducer I've ever had. Now, he said that. Now, I I, I know he's going to hear this. He, he, he knows that he's not going to be mad at me for saying it, I don't think. But what he he knows it's true, but he, he misses it. He he didn't reproduce. I believe him. But then, guess who who was the grandfather to old Blondie? Rough. Old Rough. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. He was the grandfather. Mm-hmm. So it, it had to... It skipped a generation before it really got right. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I don't know why, but it still worked. And he he bred it to rough one time. He bred it to her grandfather. Okay. That was probably at a, at a time when that was unheard of, you know? Yeah. And uh, so he did raise a lid out of her and old rough one. So that was a grandfather-granddaughter breeding. Mm-hmm. But that concentration on, on that bloodline of old Blondie kept them dogs natural and uh and they're still showing it today you're right people all across the country got them yep i i concentrate on the smaller ones mm-hmm. the ones that are not quite as big as the full-size camera i guess there's some people got like them 50 60 pounds or more and mine are more around the 35 40 pound range you know that's the, the cameras i try to keep yeah so that when I use them, I don't get too big of a dog with the with the pies, you know. Yep, that makes perfect sense. And it's plenty big enough for squirrel hunt. Yeah, they use them on. They, they, you can use them on other game too. I mean, they'll do it if you ask them to. Yeah. But uh, a bay dog, you know, a bay dog don't have to be a giant. I mean, a mm-hmm. catch dog might need some size, but a bay dog, if he's going to bay, he don't have to be eighty pounds. Definitely not. Now, like I said, I, I've. Uh got a lot of respect for robert and i really like what he's done i I just find it interesting and and the more and more people i talk to especially about breeding the line breeding and concentrating and and really trying to and basically do it what robert did and create a consistent line is becoming more and more evident the more and more people i talk to it's people that are successful in perpetuating a, a consistent you know, line yeah. of dogs. That's what they've done. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I yeah. think the, like I said, the proof is, is just in the fact that it's worked for Robert. It's worked for Todd. Mm-hmm. It's worked for a bunch of other people. Right. So. Right. You know, I, 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 I make these art crosses with these bikes, but the concentration on, on both, usually on both, sides of the family mm-hmm. has been the, the Mullins and, the, and I'm going to use the Mullins and the, and the Kimmers as Jody pretty concentrated a lot of that blood too you know yeah. and and it works mm-hmm. and, I, and I always go back with the with the offspring of a cross I either go back to the Kimmer side when I breed them again or I go back to the Mullins I don't ever get far from what has worked for me and, and okay uh, and I kind of do the same thing, but I, I may have a little bit more of an outcross. But mm-hmm. they're so concentrated. When you make a little outcross, it usually get you get the hybrid bigger, and it works. You know. Yeah. Well, we definitely need a good story. 
good hunting story. So, <laughs> a good hunting story. I can't let you off here without a good hunting story. <clears throat> well, that would have to be with Jim and O. Thompson, the man you heard me speak of earlier, and uh, Charles Pasola. Okay. And uh, there was a guy that came down to buy a, a, a started dog from Jim and O. Jim and O. always had really good dogs. Even his started dog was was better than most people would most people call their finished dog. You know, <laughs> he was just such a dog man. Mm-hmm. So he got a pup from me, a Kemmer, full Kemmer, and boy, he was wound tight with the with the blondie blood. They called him Rip, and uh, and Rip was about I think eight, nine, maybe ten months old. And he was a coon dog. He hunted mostly. Jim and Ola loved coon hunt more than anything back then when he could get around. And as he, he got where he couldn't get around as good, he did more squirrel hunting. But he loved to coon hunt. But anyhow, he had done a lot with Rip, a young dog. And and uh, there was a man in, from Arkansas looking to buy a started dog. So he came to Jim and Ola. And me and Charles and him went to the worst swamp you could imagine it was probably the july heat Oof. and and there's snakes and you know we got snakes down here and walking in the water about uh halfway up to your knees most of the time and so rip rip uh we took him by himself and he struck a track and we let him go and he treed way in there man and we started going to it and uh, there was a lot of palmetto. You know what's palmetto? Mm-hmm. That undergrowth in the in the woods. Y'all got that up there? No, I've seen pictures like a, of it from down there, but okay. we, no, we don't have any of that up here. Okay. Well, it was thick where you put your foot. You know, you was walking, but you never could see you from your knees down. You couldn't see what what what, what you were stepping on. Mm-hmm. And Jim and O knows how I am about the snakes. I don't like them. <laughs> well, he you. don't like them either. He don't like them either, but he don't let them. He don't let them take his his peace, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I was in front of him and Charles as we were going toward the dog, and uh, Jimino picked up a stick and he hit me on the back of my boot, just just like it would have been a strike from a snake. <laughs> and he tells the story. People that, that I cleared an acre of palmetto running through them after I felt that thump on my boot, there was a, a one acre of palmetto that was cleared out. <laughs> but we went to that dog and we looked at the coon and I don't know, he was three, four, five hundred yards in there with me. And the guy, the guy went look at another dog the next day who didn't hunt quite as hard and as far. And uh, and he and it was a Kimmer dog, but it was somebody else that had it. And he decided that he uh, he better take that other dog because he didn't know if he could handle Rip. <laughs> <laughs> Rip was a and uh, so that that story about Jimino hit me on the back of my boot. He thought it was a snake that struck me, and I just cleared out the palmettos. <laughs> I don't blame you. I tell you what else he did. That one night we was a full moon and we couldn't get the coon to look. And uh, it was in back of my house, right here where I'm at. 
<clears throat> we were trying to find a cool name dogs a tree and then body was Jim and who said, Turn off your light. Everybody turn off your me, him and Charles again. So we turned the lights completely off and he started looking in that tree and I didn't know what he was looking for. And he said, I think I see him. I said, How can you see that cool? He said, You gotta just look on all them branches and on them limbs and find something that just don't look natural to the tree. Well, I mean, I thought I was doing that backwards. <laughs> he did button again. He said, give me your rifle. And he shot that rifle with no life. And he knocked that gun out. Really? Yeah. Now, I, I will say, I've, I've, t- I've tried the trick. You turn all your lights off, especially on a real nice bright night. And you just look for a big black spot. Yeah, I've always lit it up <laughs> to make sure it was a coon. After that, <laughs> Jimino had some tricks that I, you know, I, I've never learned them all. He was some, he was something else, and he he give me and Charles all kind of hell because we were greenhorns back then. Yeah, he he he'd make he'd give us a hard time, and he'd kill himself laughing. We we'd bait, put some corn in the ground and side of a creek bank. Get mm-hmm. them coon to come to, to hit a hot track, you know, with a young dog. Yeah. And Jimino said, I ain't never had to do that. He said, it cost me enough money to feed them dogs. I sure ain't feeding them coon to three or four. He said, <laughs> <laughs> he said that dog's mine. Better go find me one. He loved to pick at us like that. Yeah. He 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 just, you know, we, we had so much fun with him. And now, <clears throat> the last few years, he can't didn't get around enough to, to hunt but boy he he can tell them stories let me tell you that's awesome he uh <laughs> i'll tell this one if you got time oh yeah him and charles and i were going down the road with them dogs in boxes dog boxes you know yeah and uh, it was when we first met jim and we hardly knew him but we all had timber dogs and, and we, we'd go meet him because he he had such good dogs, and we were learning, you know. But Charles had a uh, had a black mouth cur at that time. He hadn't got switched over to Kemmer yet. And we're going down the road, and Jimino had his dog in the box, and Charles had his. And one of them dogs was barking. And, you know, some of them dogs barking in the box. And Jimino went down the way. Jimino said, uh, is that your dog barking in that box? And Charles said, well, uh, it might be. He he don't usually bark like that. Said, damn, that dog's aggravating. So they kept going down the road. That dog kept on barking. So Jim and O kept, compl- kept complaining about how that dog was barking. And Charles said, well, look, pull this truck over. I'm going to go back there and make him shut up. And uh, Jim and O killed himself laughing. He said, don't touch that dog. He said, that's my damn dog barking. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I thought I wanted to see if you knew the bark of your dog. He said, <laughs> That's the kind of stuff we had to put up with learning from Jimino. Yeah. Yeah, he's something now. Sounds uh, like it. One time, one time on a competition hunt, now this man you made him, uh, he wrote full cry. I'm trying to think of his name. Uh, maybe it's better I don't say his name. But anyhow, <laughs> he, uh, his dog got on a deer on, on a competition. Now Jimino told him, he said, your dog run a deer? He said, uh, he said, yeah. Uh, he, he might. He said, well, my dog come back. So he said, I think he's running a deer. Well, why? Uh, why your dog ain't running that deer? 
Jim and I won't tell you. I mean, I'm not going to tell you. Jim and I, we didn't have shot callers that back then. Jim and I did it the old way, you know? Yeah. But he, he just told that guy, he said, I just told him I'm about a deer hunter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he had scenes like that that was so funny. Yeah. The guy would really, really want to find out how Jim and I got that dog where he wouldn't run a deer. He said, I just told him I'm about a deer hunter. <laughs> He's something else. Sounds he's a like man that uh, he he uh, and he's an Indian. He's got Indian blood, man. He he just knows things about the woods. It's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Used to take his kids in the woods when they were young. He did that with his grandson. I never, I never thought of it. And he they'd go in the woods hunting, and he he'd make as if he was lost, and let them kids help him get out the woods. You know, yeah, that's how he taught them how to track themselves out of them woods. You know, yeah. He'd get close to the house, kind of close, and he'd say, well, I'm not sure which way to go. And get them little young kids to start thinking and using them, and, uh, and then he'd let them find their, find their way home, you know. Mm-hmm. I'd have never thought to do that with mine. <laughs> I'd have been carrying mine, make sure I didn't lose them. <laughs> but that's all he ever did. I mean, he lived to hunt. That's all he ever did. Yeah. That's impressive when people are that good. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. My best hunting stories have to be with him. Good deal. Well, I think that's about all I wanted to cover for tonight, unless you got something else. No, that's it. I appreciate uh, you giving me a chance to tell my story on these dogs and and the people I've I've learned from, you know. Mm-hmm. It's been, a, it's been a, an experience I enjoyed and uh, and I'm getting into my retirement years, and I can enjoy it for a few more, you know? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for, for giving me a chance. Well, I thank you for coming on. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber.